Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Rumcast. This is the show where we talk all things rum with the people who love and shape the category, including sometimes ourselves, like on today's episode. I'm Will Hookinga, and joining me, as always, from America's basement, the sunny state of Florida, <laughs> is John Gullo. What's up, John? America's basement. Well, you know, I'm from Miami, and we don't always count that as a part of Florida. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, it is, true. sometimes it isn't. That's true. Yeah, there's definitely, like, the the difference as you go from North Florida to South yeah. Florida. Like, it changes a lot. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a line. I think it's a joke I stole from The Office, America's basement. <laughs> it makes me laugh. So, decided to sprinkle uh, it, it, it works. in there. Yeah. It works, and and I'll tell you what I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that right now because Will I have to tell you I'm a sucker I have to confess to you okay I'm a bit of a sucker in what way Well I'm a sucker for good rum mm-hmm. so I a rum sucker No that doesn't sound right I'm a sucker for good rum and uh, bad jokes Yes and bad jokes Yes that's also true <laughs> So anyways I told myself that I wasn't going to buy this mm. bottle of rum I've been there. And I was presented with an opportunity to buy this bottle of rum yesterday. Okay. And guess what I did? You bought it. I bought it. And I was kind of a little bit ashamed and sad, mad at myself for doing so. Okay. Because I was like, you know, I just have a lot of this rum and and I'll I'll dispense with the surprise now. And it's four squares redoubtable. Ah, yeah. Okay. I've just started to see that popping up in my market. Yes. I think I know where you're coming from with with that feeling of guilt, but but walk me through it. Walk me through the the emotional journey that went <laughs> along with this purchase. So first of all, I have probably fifteen or so bottles of Four Square Rum oh in my, my God, collection. Fifteen? Really? There, there's I don't, it's around there. Okay. I haven't counted, but it's there. There's a good amount now because I've I they're love open, Barbados right? Rum, and yes, they are all open. Okay, uh, every single one. Okay, uh, I do not hoard any any of those. In fact, I probably open them as soon as I get home every time. I do the same uh, which thing, is, which is what happened last night. I always night. I see but, posts like you know in forums and stuff from people who are like saving this one for a special occasion, and I'm like. Like, I have literally never been able to do that in in my life with anything. Actually, the only bottle right now that I could say I'm saving for a special occasion is one that is I don't have in my house because yes. I had to have it shipped to your house because it was coming from Europe. Uh, it. It's, it's, yeah. that, it's that uh, Velier uh, Mount Gilboa release. And yep. uh, the only reason I'm able to save it is because I physically cannot open it because you're holding on to it for me so hopefully hopefully ev- you're not hopefully you're not sneaking into exactly it. i was gonna say it's taken every ounce of me to put it in a place where i don't ever see it so that i just <laughs> forget about it and then I, I, we'll we'll hopefully get it to you at some point soon and we can both share a, a drink yeah, of it. but that would be great yeah, so so Redoubtable is uh, the newest release in the ECS exceptional cast series from Foursquare, and it was not cheap. Yeah, so it was about one twenty. I had it for one hundred thirty-five. Oh, okay. And I expected around one twenty, actually, Will. So it, when it, it was presented to me at one thirty-five, that's what like it. Not only was it like, do I already have enough of the four square rum right now mm-hmm. at home? It was also like, gosh, it's a little more expensive than I anticipated it to be. And that's where all this feeling came from to walk you, as you said, through the journey. And so I, I said, you know what? There's one bottle available at this location, literally one. Wow. And I was like, all right, 
I had a contact that kind of let me know when it was there. And thank you to that contact who shall remain nameless at this point. Um, (laughs) Can't reveal uh, your sources. I can't reveal my sources, but a a good source and and appreciated. And uh, so I got that bottle home and I immediately, as we said, opened it up. And I will tell you, my shame dissipated immediately. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing with those is the more conversations you have with rum enthusiasts, you know, a a lot of times people will start to say, yeah, like, but the uh, four squares great, but like the, the ECS releases, you know, they're all around kind of that similar profile. Um, so, you know, I don't really feel like I need to get all of them. And I, I get that perspective because they do kind of have that four square signature, but at the same time, I'll also say that I've never regretted buying one myself so i see where you're coming from for sure it's a phenomenal rum and i won't talk too much about it now only say that for 61 percent abv it is really really Mm. drinkable Mm. uh had it neat no problem and 14 years aged ex madeira and ex bourbon casks it is again i didn't ab test that i didn't try any of my other four squares with it last night but i would say it was immediately one of my favorites nice Nice. So looking forward to doing more testing with it and seeing how it stacks up to the rest of the collection. But I'm happy <laughs> that that I made the purchase overall uh, at the end of the day. So sucker, but I'm a willing sucker. You got to so. power through that guilt. Uh, it's it's <laughs> worth it once you get to the other side and you're sitting back with a nice glass of rum. So yeah, uh, cheers. And yeah, I'll, I'll look forward to hearing how the comparisons go because that's always fun to do with those releases. So I'm glad, by the way, that you brought up Foursquare because we got an email in a little while ago that has prompted the discussion for this episode. So I I think we wanted to do an episode around this email because it's a question that I think everyone has at a certain point of getting into rum. And uh, I'll just go ahead and read it. So it came from Pete And he wrote, I have been a bourbon drinker for years and took the hobby so far as to being on the Bourbon Pursuit podcast a couple of times. I really uh, like what y'all are doing between a mix of introductory content for newbies like me and the ins and outs of the contemporary rum world. Any advice for a true novice when it comes to rum? I hear you guys recommending something amazing, or I hear you guys recommending some amazing rums, but the selection at my local Total Wine isn't always great, and I'm not quite ready to commit to a $100 bottle. Ever thought of a Rum 201 episode for the refugees of the bourbon world? Um, So first of all, thanks, Pete, for the email Mm -hmm. and the compliments. Uh, Always great to hear that. But I think what's interesting to me about this email is Pete is kind of asking for recommendations. He calls himself a total novice, but at the same time, like he's been listening to a rum podcast. He's already had some rums (laughs) before. I think he mentioned that he'd had some four square rums or something like that. And so, you know, it sounds to me like he's at that stage that I think a lot of people are at where they've kind of dipped a toe in the water. They've they've had some of the, the the big brands that people mention, you know, when they're throwing out recommendations at first to people who are really brand new. So maybe, you know, they've had some of the the Appletons, the Four Squares, the Mount Gays of the world, um, really good quality rums. But they're kind of at that stage where they're like, what's next? Um, where can I go from here to kind of open myself up to the broader world of rum? So yeah. we thought that we would each come up with kind of three recommendations, uh, all under $100 based on our experience. And our criteria was kind of 
you know, what do we think would open someone's eyes to the wider world of rum? What directions can you go in to kind of shift your thinking about the category and that sort of thing? So once you've mm-hmm. kind of explored the the easier to find items on your shelves, the the kind of first wave of, of recommendations that, that people give, where do you take things next on your rum journey? So John, any any thoughts or reflections on the email or or how we're kind of setting up and framing this episode? Only to say that I think Pete is me, uh, like a few years ago. And okay. so when when I saw that email, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, yes, I know exactly where he's coming from here. And coming from bourbon into to rum, having those first, like you said, first wave of products that I, I you tend to gravitate towards things that are going to give you a bourbon-esque profile because exactly. that's what you're used to. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, that's where my love of Foursquare rums came from and really all Barbados rum mm. uh, because there is some of that shared there and, and that that led me into the willingness to now open my mind further into what rum can be beyond that. So I, I get exactly where Pete's coming from, and I think you you framed it perfectly uh, for my thoughts and where I built my list. So I'm ready to drop some knowledge here on our <laughs> our listeners. I don't know if I'd call it knowledge, like uh, just experiential, I guess, for somebody Pete that's been exactly where you are a few years ago in my rum journey. Here's where I am now, and here's what my recommendations would be. So I'm looking forward to giving those for everyone. Yeah, and the one caveat I would give with this is like that's exactly what these are our recommendations. Recommendations. And right. so everyone taste is subjective, but I tried to gravitate toward things that like, even if you maybe not necessarily, they're not your cup of tea or they're not right. your favorite, they'll at least kind of like be an experience that, mm-hmm. that opens you up to, mm-hmm. yeah, that like broadens kind of your horizons of, of what the category is and what it can be and that sort of thing. So yep. also John and I have not seen each other's recommendations. So this should be pretty interesting. John, do you do you want to do the honor of, of going first? I would be happy to go first. And also it means that I'm more likely to go first in case you have one that I have just in case so that I get to say it first. So I like <laughs> Go that for idea. it. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Damn it. Um, so here's where I, I kind of cheated a little bit with how to do this. I didn't just name like one rum. What I did here was a, a, a I, love, I love how we always cheat with stuff like this. <laughs> This because as as you're saying that that's like I did pretty much the same yes, thing. But please all right. continue. <laughs> all right, good. Well, it's our fucking show, so you know <laughs> we can do that. So n- number three for me is multi-country blends. Wait, hold on a second. You said number yeah. three. So oh, are well, you doing like sorry. some kind of reverse countdown or something? I, you know, in all honesty, thank you for bringing that up. I, I guess I was doing reverse countdown, but it really doesn't. The order for me of these top three doesn't really matter. Okay, I, I'm okay. not rating gotcha. these above. Yeah, so so the first pick of the three would be a good way to say this. Okay. Uh, is uh, multi-country blends for rum. Ah, okay, okay. That entered my mind as one of my potential recommendations, but I didn't do it. So I'm interested to hear why you chose this. All right, good. So I think that's great. There's a lot of these kind of multi-country blends on the market. I think very, very many out there. And many that don't even actually go into what the blend actually is, probably on purpose because they're trying to find, you know, decent but very cheap rum product and and it really isn't the strength of their product anyways Mm -hmm. or the focus that's why i think there's a healthy skepticism with blends sometimes in rum and in other products too you know whiskey a lot of blends are often looked down upon too sure whether it's scotch or bourbon or you know american whiskey or whatever but i think there are some really really great ones and and here was my point with this now that you know your your heads from your bunghole with regards to rum at this point, you can more successfully dive a bit into these multinational rum blends that are the good 
ones that you can identify and then help you to expand that rum can be really great blended in multi-country blends and I think worthwhile to explore. And that's probably not where you've started. As we mentioned before, Pete especially is probably not where you started. So here's what I wanted to give. I'm just going to name a few here. I'm not going to talk a lot about each of them, but just to give a few examples. So number one, probably the most expected and easiest to to say would be Probitas Veritas. Absolutely. uh, This is a blend of Jamaican and Barbados rums from Hampton and Foursquare, respectively. That is really lightly aged and expertly blended. And uh, it's cheap. It runs like 30 to $35. It still makes my favorite ever daiquiri mm. to this day. And what's fun about it I, that I like is I think you can pick out some of both the Jamaican and the Bajan influences very readily. And I love that. It's not just lost into some whatever it is. It, it, you really, I think, can feel those too. And also, just as an aside, I think lightly aged straw-colored rums are really underrated by consumers and even rum enthusiasts. So we need more of that. Yeah, I, I love that too. There's just something, and it, it's it's funny because it seems like something, we always talk about how like color doesn't matter uh, with, right. with rum, but there's something so pleasing to me about that like hay, straw-colored. Yeah. And uh, I think that, I think in Probitas, that all comes from the, the four-square component. Right. If I recall correctly, the right. Hampton co- uh, is component is, is completely right. unaged. But mm-hmm. yeah, and, and like you said, it's the, the cool part with these uh, multi-country, multi-distillery blends as you have more and more rum from different places is kind of like seeing how those components interact with one another and being able to pick out where certain aspects of it are coming from and that sort right. of thing. So yeah, I, I, I strongly considered this adding it to my list, but I didn't. So I'm glad that you did because that's <laughs> this is a way for it to get talked about without me having to sacrifice one of my spaces. But I think you said you had some more recommendations, so keep them coming. Yeah, just a couple more with this category. So one is, and I'll show Will here. Hey, ah, I yeah. finally got it. Ten Former to one. Rumcast rum uh, guest. Yes. So we had Mark Farrell from 10 to 1 on in uh, December, and I finally got a hold of a Caribbean dark rum, his Caribbean dark rum, mm-hmm. and actually bought the the white yesterday. I just haven't tried it yet. The yeah, see, I have, I have the white. I don't have the aged one, though. So uh, I have tried this one, and I really think this is a really well-done example of a multi-country, in this case, multi-Caribbean country blend, right. which he has from Trinidad, Barbados, Jamaica, and Dominican Republic. Just a superb product. He, he really has nailed it, I think, with a multi-country blend here, and this should be readily available in a lot of places and not too expensive. A couple other quick ones, Equiano. Of course, if you listen to our, our episode right. with Ian Burrell recently, that's a Mauritius Gray's Distillery and Foursquare product. Uh, and then finally, Denison's Merchant Reserve or Vatted Dark, which, Will, I think you probably have a little more experience that, with than I do. I've tasted it, and I know it's a masterful blend from our friends over at EA Shear, but I was curious to see your opinion on that. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of the Merchant's Reserve. I actually haven't had any of the other Denizen mm-hmm. products yet. Uh, I, I know I've heard interesting things about the Vatted Dark, which I believe is a, a blend of Demerara rum yeah. and Agricole. And an right? Agricole. From yeah. Martinique, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and th- those are the, the price range of those is really nice, I think, uh, for, for what you're getting. Uh, I mean, I think the, the Vatted Dark is like, under $25, uh, which yeah. is really cheap. And Merchant's Reserve, uh, I, I was I was surprised at how good I thought that rum was just out, because it, it was like the, the backstory behind it is it was designed to be kind of the ultimate rum blend for a Mai Tai, right? And mm-hmm. so from the get-go, you're thinking of it as a cocktail rum, uh, but it's really, it's, it's good enough to stand on its own outside of cocktails, I think. So yeah, strong, strong recommendations. 
Awesome. I, yeah, I really enjoyed the taste of it that I got. And I was like you surprised at uh, it, it really does stand up on its own. And it's a really great product at a really great price. The only thing I wish it does have a screw cap. I, I, I'm not a fan. Don't of be screw such caps, a capitalist. Come on. Oh. The screw cap. The screw cap is fine. Like it's, it, you know, it's easy. I know you don't get the satisfying nah. pop sound and yeah. whatever, but I, I'm about to recommend some screw cap rums. So, you know, well, you're screwed. But uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, I get it. But I just I don't know. There's some perceived value to me in my brain that I cannot let go of with screw cap versus corks. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, honestly, you could probably charge $10 more for that rum if it had a, a cork in it. So maybe it's best that they keep it a screw cap and keep it at the price. It I, I am fine with that. I would yeah. pay I would trade a cork for $10, $10. off of, of a lot of rums. <laughs> but but that's just because I, I'm not a man of fine tastes, I suppose. Um, <laughs> and also one final note with that Merchants Reserve is... It's it's an opportunity to taste a blending component that's pretty uncommon. Uh, I, the lion's share of the blend is an aged Jamaican rum, mm-hmm. but the other uh, portion of it is a molasses-based rum from Martinique, uh, yeah. which is harder to find. Uh, not a lot of that type of rum being made there, and it's not really what it's thought of. So, yeah, yeah, good one. So, for my uh, first recommendation, this is something that I think is super easy to overlook when you're coming into the rum world, particularly if, like Pete, you're coming in from a bourbon background or any really any you know whiskey background, or just there, there's a lot of emphasis on aged spirits, particularly mm. ones you know that have that kind of whiskey esque or whiskey adjacent right. profile. So. What I'm recommending is, again, kind of like you, uh, a category. I want to recommend uh, Jamaican white overproof rums. Yeah. Um, like okay. I said, I think it's really easy to overlook these when you're getting into rum. Uh, you kind of go straight past them. You go to the aged Jamaican rums, the aged mm-hmm. Barbados rums, etc. But number two, I think when people become more curious about unaged rums, it can be easy to kind of get drawn toward the more boutique offerings out there, the Habitation uh, Vellier releases, uh, you know, they, they have those Hamden single marks, uh, the Worthy Park f- uh, 502, or right. maybe to drift toward like Claren or something like that. And mm-hmm. again, I'm not, say- I'm not saying like you should ignore or skip those rums. Like if you're curious about those, by all means, everything I just mentioned is a fantastic product, so go for right. it. But to me, there's there's something about Jamaican White Overproof. It's such an iconic style of rum. Uh, it's such an important type of rum. Yeah. Uh, whether it's you know Ray and Nephew Rum Fire or Rum Bar Overproof, those are kind mm-hmm. of the big three. Ray and Nephew, of course, being the oldest one, the the, the biggest seller. Rum Fire and, and Rum Bar Overproof are, are both newer products. Rum Fire being from Hampton, Rum Bar Overproof being from Worthy Park. But again, I, I think especially if you're not a cocktail person, it's easy to look past those because it's like, well, I don't really make cocktails. What else am I going to do with this? But right. to me, it's it, it's part of kind of the foundation of understanding what rum is and what it can be. So go get one of those bottles 
even before you make a cocktail with it, just experience it on its own. Try some neat. Um, it's okay if, if drinking it neat doesn't become an everyday experience for you. Mm. <laughs> like, I, I don't think those are everyday sippers, uh, to borrow a term. Uh, that, that gets used a lot for most people. But but to me, again, that's less of, of what it's about. It's I think it's it's going to kind of open up the way you experience the aged rums from those producers as well, whether you've experienced some aged Hamptons or aged Worthy Parks or Appletons, et cetera. Also, you can make super delicious, simple cocktails with all of those rums is the great thing. You know, whether it's Ray and Ting or right, two ingredient cocktails exactly. like Ray and Ting. Exactly. exactly. I also I, I ran across this super easy recipe. It was on Shannon Mustafer's Instagram. Uh, she wrote a really wonderful cocktail book called Tiki uh, a year or two ago. And I believe it was an ounce of overproof white Jamaican rum. So mm -hmm. you can use any of those three two ounces of pineapple juice, half an ounce of simple syrup, which I dialed back just slightly in mine. And you just mix those over ice and then you top with grapefruit soda like Ting. I actually didn't have any grapefruit soda on hand, but I did have ginger beer. So I used ginger beer instead and it was fantastic. It was great. I'm probably gonna mm -hmm. make that later today. But um, yeah, so that is my first recommendation, Jamaican white overproof. Um, get one of those three bottles. Uh, I think my own personal preference veers a little toward uh, Rumfire personally, um, but they're all mm. wonderful products and each each has their own kind of unique differences. So grab one of those. Uh, I don't think you'll regret. It'll certainly at least be a unique experience. Well, like you will, I, I almost put this on my list. So ah, I'm, nice. I'm, I'm glad you did. I had kind of thought about it slightly differently in looking at high ester unaged rums, Okay, uh, which I think those, you know, would qualify for as well. I like yeah. the way that you you put it also. You mentioned, I think, very accurately exactly the mindset of somebody like a Pete or me coming from the bourbon world and passing right by those because that's not what you're into. Right. And so it's like you're like, ah, that's that's nothing like what I, I would look to sip and I'm a sipper and I'm not even really gonna need ah, those. These I have don't screw caps. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and the even the marketing is very different in the way they're marketed. So, you know, like instinctively, I knew that those were uh, very popular products mm -hmm. and good products. I just didn't feel like they were for me when I first came into rum. And, uh, you know, how wrong I was, I think, that, that that's not the case. And that, as you said, yeah, these aren't really sippers. But man, they are so beautiful in their expression and so well crafted and really worthy of experiencing all on their own. And so I, I think it's a great pick and a perfect kind of segue into something else that really broadens your horizons with rum. And and I, I would say maybe even don't don't go into it with the expectation of like, oh, this is something I won't ever want to sip because I know plenty of people who do yeah. just sit back with a little a I little do now. a little glass of those neat. I do now, not often, but mm -hmm. I do. I, I recently had a, a little probably half ounce pour of Ray and Nephew Neat and uh, enjoyed it very much. Yeah. So it's definitely once you get there, it takes a little bit of acclimating, I think, maybe. But yeah, it's really good stuff. All right. Uh, on to my number two. So very in line with your number three, Will, another category here okay. that is similar in some ways. So I'm going with the category of Haitian rum. Ah, okay. Very nice. And I, I picked that partially because exactly the same reasoning for you about expanding your horizons at this mm. point. You know, this is rum 201 or, or 301 or whatever we want to call it. We're blurring and the lines here with this. It, yes, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think by now you have a liking for rum and you're willing to press some of those boundaries. Yeah. So I think Haitian rum fits that role very well. And I'm saying Haitian rum and not just Clarin on purpose. And we'll get to that. Yeah. But let's start with Clarin. 
which is, you mentioned it already, so you stole a little bit of my thunder, but that's okay. So Clarin, the unaged cane juice rum that's produced locally in Haiti, which it's produced in such a way that the terroir and the cane is really featured in the rum. Absolutely. it's a bit raw and a bit wild, but maybe in all the best possible ways. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came from Bourbon, where I thought a lot of rules, and I stuck mostly when I came into those molasses aged drums like we talked about, um, that reminded me of the Bourbon profile, I, I finally got to try these clearins, and uh, I think my brain broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, it definitely like if your experience goes from aged molasses based drums to clearin, you really truly start to get a sense of just how broad the, the category of rum is. Exactly. I, I did this with a uh, tasting with someone who came to the house. Actually, we're finally starting to have some visitors come back. Had somebody try some of these clearins uh, who was very in much in a similar way mm-hmm. uh, with other spirits and not really as much into rum, except for the ones, you know. And uh, he was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> he just he could not believe it. Like I had to show him the bottle and like, right. you know, all this stuff. And he's like, this is rum. And I'm like, yep. And it is freaking great. So in, in terms of what's out there, there is the La Maison and Velier uh, Clarins, which they do all by the different distilleries or, or local varieties. And there's uh, at least four out there now. Uh, maybe coming soon is a fifth, I heard. So I, I can't wait for that because I have a, a few of these bottles now. I, I'm personally, I'm Team Sajus. Will, I don't know if you have a team. Yeah, I, I'm Team Saju as well. I know yeah. it's kind of, I feel like it's almost like a consensus take at this point but i it's no it's, no i don't think you don't so, think so? I, no i saw this on a recent thread on i think it was reddit uh where they were talking about clarins and and you know people were going back and forth with you know like harry potter houses at this point like uh, team sajus and team <laughs> uh-huh, Vaval uh-huh. and team casimir so yes sajus was one of the more popular ones but vaval was also very popular as well and then le rocher was also very popular as well casimir seemed to be running in fourth but I have that bottle and I have to say if I had started with it I really like that one a lot and wouldn't would have uh, not known otherwise it's really great also well and I think what's also interesting is people I've talked to can sometimes have pretty strong preferences either likes or dislikes just among mm-hmm. those four which again speaks to uh, what you were saying earlier of you know these are coming from the same place uh, a lot of times produced in similar style but the experience between them can range yeah. vastly yeah, the microclimates that are there where these are being produced is is and the terroir is really featured. So and different you can, cane varietals as well. Yes, and, mm-hmm. and so you get to go. For me, I love going back and forth with things, and I, I really like all of these. Also, I'll give a shout out. Saint Benevolence is also a really great product that makes a Claren uh, that may be available in some areas where maybe those other La Maison and Veliers are not. All of these are under fifty dollars. They they might get close to fifty dollars in some cases, but uh, I think really worthwhile even for a lot of people to see an unaged rum and they think, gosh, that's a lot of money for an unaged rum. Well, maybe they do. Well, but I think I think the comparison you have to make is think about them the way you might think about a mezcal or something right. like that, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, these are actually pretty affordable. <laughs> right. Uh, I agree completely. And so I would urge uh, anybody at this level that we're talking about now in their rum journey, you really need to find those. They they, they may be a little tougher to find uh, than some of the other recommendations we've talked about, but worthwhile to do so. And you can definitely find them online somewhere that'll, that'll get those to you. Uh, I would also throw out there real quick another new bottle I've been seeing more of around is Claren Millot. Um, oh. which comes from, uh, I think the producer's name is Patrick saint Um I'm probably butchering these kind of French pronunciations here, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I sat in on a 
presentation from the the company that is uh, sourcing that and and partnering with him and uh, I haven't tasted it yet but it was it was a really fascinating presentation and you know seemed like another just a, a, a cool way to to experience the Clarins of Haiti before I finish, Will, I just want to carve out a little time to also say I said Haitian rum because I also feel that rum barbancourt is also worthy of exploration at this point and may sometimes be uh, uh, overlooked. Uh, I, I could be wrong there. And maybe people are like, of course, barbancourt's everywhere. But I do feel like, especially with the 15-year as a sipper for 50 roughly dollars, it's it's a really great product overall. And uh, I think that the, those Haitian rums and that barbancourt rum is unique. If you want to hear more about that, we did also have an episode. I, I, I didn't intend for this to run back through all of our episodes that we've <laughs> talked about already. But I mean, I guess to an extent, we curate the list of who we talk to. So we, we like it's that. It's informed product. sometimes, yeah, yeah. By, by, by taste. Um, right. Yeah. Well, and I think that can be another reason why you might overlook Barbancourt, because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding or, or not misunderstanding, but confusion just as to like what exactly it is. Right. Um, like it's it's a cane juice rum. It's from Haiti, uh, but it's not it's it's not Claren. Um, right. It's you know, it's really nowhere close to, to what Claren is like at all. And at the same time, you you associate Haiti, you know, French speaking country but this is cane juice rum, but it's not agricole not either. Not agricole, exactly. And, and we, we discussed, you know, a lot of that on the, the interview that we did. Um, so go back and check that out if, if you're interested in learning more. But uh, interestingly, I just did a little kind of blind rum sampling experience for hmm. my sister-in-law and her boyfriend. And I had four rums out there. One one was Barbancourt Eight Year. So okay. I think... How many stars is that? Is that four star? Four star, I think. I think so. It's yeah. off memory. Yeah. Um, and there were three other. I can't remember what all else was out there, but that was their favorite uh, of the bunch. Uh, it's tasted a, blind. It's a great so product. There you go. Yeah. If you're listening to our show right now, there are six words about rum that are likely to catch your eye: single barrel, cask strength, and no additives. Those six words are the whole premise of the single cast rum releases from Holmes Key, the sponsor for this episode of the Rumcast. Holmes Key seeks out the world's best rums and releases them unadulterated and at cask strength in limited editions. Check out their website at holmeskey.com to learn more about their new 2021 releases, distilled at places like Foursquare in Barbados, Demerara Distillers in Guyana, Travelers Liquors in Belize, and Clarendon Distillery in Jamaica. Also, you'll definitely want to stay tuned for more exciting 2021 releases coming up very soon. You can find out more at Holmes Key, that's H-O-L-M-E-S-C-A-Y dot com. Now back to the show. All right, Will, what's your uh, number two? Okay, so number two for me is Demerara Rum outside of the core El Dorado lineup. Okay. So... I, when, when I'm thinking of like iconic places in rum or just unique, just kind of one of one distilleries and stuff <laughs> like that, that distillery, uh, Demerara Distillers Limited, is one of the first that comes to mind. The style of, of Demerara rum is, first of all, just entirely unique within the mm. rum world. There's really nothing else like it. Uh, the collection of stills and history at that distillery is so incredible. You know, they have stills going back hundreds of years. Uh, the Port Morant, you know, wooden pot still, 
the Versailles yeah. still, which is also a wooden pot still, the Inmore still, continuous wooden coffee column still. And it's it's such an interesting place. And it's it's funny because I think the the way that people are introduced to it a lot of times is through the El Dorado brand. And when you taste those components on their own outside of that, it's, it's almost like a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I think the challenge can be that it's hard to find those components, particularly if you're in the United States at an affordable price point, you know, right. you're normally going to find those rums from independent bottlers. Although I do want to point out that El Dorado does have a st- single still collection. So they, they're in kind of those same bottles as the El Dorado lineup, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of squat, uh, short bottles with the short kind of curvy neck. And I saw them in my total wine recently. Yeah, so yeah. They're there in a lot of places. Yeah, yeah, they are. And, uh, you know, one part of the reason I, I recommend outside of that core El Dorado lineup is there there is some element of sweetening in those El Dorado rums. And I think you, there's been a lot of kind of debate as to the source of that. I know in, in numerous interviews, El Dorado has said that that comes from aging with caramel in the barrels. And I think there's a variance in terms of like how much people accept that explanation or not. I don't mm-hmm. really want to get into that debate necessarily. They have yeah. said that they're phasing out that practice. Yeah. And there was actually a pretty interesting uh, article recently on Rum Revelations that compared like a newer bottle of Eldorado 15 right. with an older bottle of Eldorado 15 and how considerably less sweet the newer bottle was. So yep. all that aside, though, if you can find single still expressions from outside that core El Dorado range. It's such a fascinating kind of night and day experience to go from what what those taste like um, to what these stills kind of taste like on their own um, without anything being added or it being sweetened in any way. Mm-hmm. And so a, a, f- a few brands that you may be able to hunt down, there are some transcontinental rum uh, line releases over the years. Yep. Uh, that and, and sometimes it can be difficult to nail down exactly like which still uh, the release came from with that line, but mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't let that stop you. Just give it a try. You know, grab a bottle if you can find one and, and, and see what you think of it. That Boutique Rum Company, which is almost exclusively distributed uh, in Europe, but yeah. it, it, it's possible to get your hands on some of those release, releases in the U.S., They've put out some affordable releases from single stills of that collection. Obviously, I know we had the $100 price point rule, but the yeah. Holmes Key Port Morant uh, release is is really, really good. Or the iFlot. I haven't had that one yet. Oh, it's uh, good. But yeah, I've heard good things yeah. from you. Yeah, it's and, good. Uh, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's such a distinctive, unduplicatable type of rum that uh, it's really worth seeking out. And it's also used in so many blends out there. Mm. Um, so being able to taste something like the Port Marat still on its own, uh, you'll you'll start to recognize it uh, when it's used in, in other contexts. I, I want to disagree with you so bad on one of these, Will, but I haven't found it yet. The only thing I will say is I found in my personal experience with some of those, you mentioned the variations that they have. I can't even remember the name of the series that Eldorado has that has those different versions of it, I guess you would say. But I found some to be better than others, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to distinguish that. And the price point was kind of a barrier because for me, looking at those, I remember some of them are in the 70s, 80s, for me at least, uh, price. And 
having tasted some of them that I felt like I liked more certain uh, stills more than others or certain profiles more than others, I'm not really willing to take a gamble on 70 or $80 bottles, not knowing really which ones I really gravitate towards. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think another another thing with the, the Eldorado single still line, which I mentioned earlier, is I think those are typically around like $90. And right. for me personally, they're, they're all 80 proof. So Spending that much on 80 proof is is something that I don't usually do, um, which yep. also may be why I haven't purchased any of those yet. But yeah, um, I, I think what you shared just now is is not uncommon at all. Like I, I think the experience you have, not just from like still to still or or blend to blend, but but right. also just like release to release from certain independent bottlers, it can exactly. vary a lot. Like I've had yeah. um, I've had samples of some of those transcontinental releases that I was like. Ah, this is okay. Like it's not, mm-hmm, it's not mm-hmm. blowing my mind or anything. Right. And I've other, I've had other ones that I like are are incredible. So yep. I think that's kind of the mindset I would go into it with. Is just yep. like this is such a unique place, and it's hard to get a hold of tasting it in that context. Sometimes to yeah. me, it's it it's worth it to just be able to try it. You know, even if I'm paying sixty seventy dollars for something that might not end up being my favorite, just being able to have some idea of what that overall profile from the distillery is like, is like, um, it's, it's, it's like a notch on the rum knowledge belt, I guess, just being able to have some idea of it. And, uh, and, and, and yeah, and, you know, sooner or later, you'll probably come across at least one that uh, really stands out to you. Oh, I remember what it is. It's the single barrel. So this it's discontinued now, but Eldorado had a single barrel, like tall, tall bottle bottle mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that was from one still as well because it mentioned it had different ones and on the label I believe it said what what it was from but yeah those single barrel releases is what I was thinking of and I don't know that you can get a hold of those as much anymore but I do know there's some dusty bottles still around because I've seen them floating around online some pictures people will ask what is this I've never seen it before yep. and and uh, those are, are still on the expensive side but if you see them you probably want to grab them at this point because those are not coming back uh, and that's that's kind of a piece of rum history no additives as well to that so that's an interesting one to maybe also fits in that category all right so what do we have at number three okay so my third pick here i'm i'm rubbing my hands together right now because i know that this one for will is going to be interesting all right ready will i'm ready American rum. Oh wow! Okay. Ah, I feel like I beat you to it a little bit. No, I wasn't uh, going to be that guy. Oh, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> you know, you already are that guy, really. Will I, I'm going to talk a little bit about American rum here, and then I'm going to rely upon you to give the depth of knowledge because I know you have it. Go for um, it. So here, here's what I'm thinking about specifically with American rum. So I, I'm kind of actually in this category, I'm, I'm whittling it down quite a bit. I'm talking about single cask or barrel finish slash secondary maturation American rum products. Okay. Why, why and, are you gravitating specifically to that? Well, so I think it fits with our theme. So uh, it's not that you can't grab a bunch. There's some really great American rums out there. And honestly, if you haven't explored those at this point, you really should. So we can just stop there and say that that's one of them. But what I'm what I'm pointing out here for people that are at this stage of their rum journey is you can find some really interesting single cask variations or barrel finish variations of American rum products that are not too expensive, that really allow you to get into almost exactly what you were talking about with the Guyana rums. You get a better appreciation for a specific distillery in a way that you can't otherwise do when you start to explore some of those variations 
in a tighter way. So here, I'll give you an example of what I'm thinking of. Privateer's uh, Distiller's Drawer series. Okay, yeah. So th- those may be a little more difficult to source, but I know they're out there. And again, I know like places like Sealbox, uh, Sarasota Liquor Locker, Aster Wines, and others do have those available still. Um, many of the releases, I think there's over 100 different ones now that they've done over the years. Um, many of those are no longer available, but there are some out there that are still available. I haven't tried a bad one yet. I do think some are better than others, but that's going to be subjective. But what I love about the Distiller's Drawer series is that they're experimental. They tell you right up front, hey, look, this is a single barrel experiment. And whether it's uh, Maggie Campbell or, or Dylan or some of the others that are, that are produced there, they, they go into depth in what is, what is the aim of what they tried to do with this specific barrel and what they then name it creatively like sea smoke or something like the Mm -hmm. rum glow so that you get this specific profile and what i like to do about that what i really enjoy is taking one of those and putting it next to another one or next to another one and then just getting the variations out of that which i think is really fun but also takes me to the next level in my rum journey and understanding of a product at a, a a closer in level so one thing that's interesting to me that sticks out is what you said. I feel like I hear the opposite a lot in terms of cost and affordability. You know, people speak a lot of the craft tax with mm-hmm. uh, American rum producers just because, you know, a lot of times these are very new young distilleries. So they're releasing aged products that are typically significantly younger than what you can get out of the Caribbean or, you know, other places that have been producing that rum is true. longer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a lot of times there's a little bit of sticker shock uh, in, in terms of what you're getting. But specifically with those privateer distillers drawer, yes, there a lot of them are young, age two years, age three years, something along those lines. I think they have a bottled and bond that's up to five. But uh, it, interestingly for me, for my palate, those hang in with some of those 10 and 12 and 15 year aged Caribbean rums in a great way. Maybe that's a testament to what they've been doing, you know, and how they've been doing it and the care that they've been taking with it. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. But I do think they are, even though they're younger aged, I, I would say absolutely worthwhile and really, really great sippers. Yeah, I, I think, you know, age is just a number. And so I definitely... <laughs> Thank you, Aaliyah. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely, I'm not trying to say that, like, you know, I, I think what they're charging is too much or anything like that. I mean, a lot of times it's, it comes down to economics of running a mm-hmm. distillery. Like, mm-hmm. it's tough. Um, yeah. And, and, and yeah, and the, the whole reason I pointed out, like, saying I didn't want to be that guy is just because, you know, many listeners will know I, I run a newsletter um, called American Rum Report. So I write about the American rum category a lot um, out of curiosity and interest and just trying to make it easier for people to explore because there's so many producers in the U.S. that are making rum. Um, uh, It's interesting because there are so many producers, but at the same time, from a volume perspective, it's not like the United States um, is, is... from a, from a craft distillery perspective, mm-hmm. is making uh, in terms of volume more rum than than other places. Of course, that's that's leaving out uh, you know like Bacardi, for example, which, right. which is in the United States because Puerto Rico is part of the United States, um, and places in the USVI and, and stuff like that. But 
Right. Um, so obviously I, I share the enthusiasm and yeah. uh, I definitely think it's a region worth exploring. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think a lot of times people's impression is because I have the American Rum Report website that I think like American Rum is the best and it's like better, uh, you know, America, you know, that kind yeah. of thing, which is totally <laughs> not my, my view at all. Um, I, I, you know, just wanted to write about something that's close to me. And I do think yeah. there are some really, really super fascinating stuff going on here in the United States. So um, definitely you, co-sign on that. You, you mentioned Puerto Rican rums, which was the other one that I was going to mention here that falls into the same thing, which is, uh, I'll just give you another example, Don Q or Don Cu, mm-hmm, depending on mm-hmm. how you want to say it. Yeah. Um, they have their line of a vermouth finish yeah. and a sherry cast mm-hmm. finish. Uh, and some and then single also, barrel stuff. Yeah, the single barrel, mm-hmm. which uh, I have the 2005 and the 2007, and I believe there's a 2009 out. Mm-hmm. Those are all very good priced, pretty readily available. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and again, what what I feel like is the important piece here is not only that you're exploring American rum, but that you're exploring the derivations or uh, the, the uniqueness. Branches. Branches, whatever you, you want to call it, of a similar distillate profile. Mm-hmm. Or, or the same distillate. And what happens when you now put it into different barrels uh, or do, you know, different years and different batches and things like that. And I think that's where my brain goes to when I say, where are you jumping in your next piece of your rum journey? It's it's there. It's how do you now gain a, a closer in understanding of what a distillery can do? Uh, and that's how you do it. And I think American rum is a great place to start with that. There's plenty of others. Of course, there's Panama Grander does this. Uh, they have uh, some different finishes. Ronabuelo actually does as well. Of course, they probably have some added sugar in the Ronabuelo, but it's a really great line of the Oloroso versus the Cognac cask, uh, and they have that even in a gift pack, I think. So there are other places, but I think that American rum is a great place to start to do this and to explore that in the way that I'm talking about. So that's why I have it on the list, yeah. Well, and, and also to go off of that, one of the things that's interesting to me about the category is that when you are consuming something from a distillery that is relatively new. So like, you know, 15 years or younger, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times they're having to try lots of different things and making quick changes on the fly. They're, they're kind of rapidly evolving. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you kind of get to be there at the beginning to taste through that evolution with them. And when you find someone who is really dedicated to the craft and really, all in on the category of rum, whether that's, you know, a a producer like a privateer Mm -hmm. or Richland is another one like that. Uh, We talked Mm -hmm. about Kohana on the previous episode, but another, like a, another point on that is that that is something I think the, the craft distilling industry has really taken off in the U S over the past, you know, 15 years or so, but you're, you're starting to see new rum distilleries pop up in other places, not just the mainland United States. You know, mm-hmm. Mohoba is one that we've talked about in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And I think you kind of see the same thing with the products that they put out. They put out a lot of, you know, varied, different, unusual kinds of products. Right. Um, and you see distilleries kind of doing that. And sometimes there's there's a good side and a bad side to it, too. I think a lot of times people can associate kind of gimmicky stuff with mm-hmm. craft mm-hmm. distilleries, uh, craft brewing as well. You know, you, you see stuff that's right. like, you know, experimentation 
just to like try to do something weird and, and something nobody's yeah. done before. Yeah. And it, yeah. it doesn't always, you know, necessarily come out good, mm-hmm. but I, I do think that's something really interesting. And, and also you're starting to see more of that craft distillery movement in Puerto Rico as well. Um, you know, I've mentioned San Juan distillers before, which is mm-hmm. growing sugar cane, um, doing fresh cane juice rum down there. It's, it's really fascinating how they're doing it. They're, they're super dedicated all in on rum. Frank Ward talk. I mean, they, you know, they brought Frank Ward in to, to help them out and consult with them. So, uh, you know, they're kind of coming to they it. They are with, serious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think there are some exciting things to experience in that respect. And mm-hmm. to kind of transition into my third recommendation, because it bleeds into that one a little bit. Um, but I was going to recommend rum from a place that you don't typically associate with rum. Mm. Um, and so there's a mix of that. There, there are plenty of places that you don't necessarily first associate with rum that have been around for a while and have a long history. There are also ones with more recent histories mm-hmm. or revived histories like the U.S., for example. Right. Uh, but then you also have the Fijis, the Australias, yes. uh, the Africas, for example, where it's it's you don't know about it just because... Um, you know, we're, we're ignorant to um, things going on in kind of far flung places where that aren't distributed as much in the United States, but are becoming a little more accessible um, over the years. But I think all of those places, what's, what's cool to me about those experiences is they're eye opening, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of times you're just like, wow, I, you know, I, I didn't know a, that this was being made here and B that it had this long history of being produced here, just like, uh, in the episode we did on Australia with Steve McGarry. Um, and, and again, or or Paranubis in Mexico. Exactly. That fits the bill. Exactly. Yeah. Mexico. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's not just, it's not like people just started making rum there just like Francisco told us, uh, Jose Luis, his family goes back three generations of making Aguardiente de Caña in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So, and there's just something to me that is so cool about experiencing that for the first time and being like, wow, not only does this, is this just like a a new kind of unique profile in terms of flavor? It's also just like, I didn't know this was going on. I didn't know there was all this history. And, uh, you know, people talk about rum being the most diverse spirit, the most global spirit. And those are those moments that I think contribute to that feeling of, of just how broad the category is. So yeah, that would be my final one. And again, it kind of bleeds into yours a little bit. Uh, it's almost at the point where it's like wherever you are in the world, you could just find somewhere that's local to you. Because like I said, even in in Europe now, I'm seeing, I feel like, announcements of new rum distilleries uh, almost every week. And, you know, while I I wouldn't say that's like the best place to start with rum, I would definitely kind of go to like the cradles of rum uh, before. But there's something really fun and interesting about just being able to like look at the place down the street and get to know their story and how they're trying to bring bring their own perspective to rum and, and, you know, how how they're figuring out their style and that sort of thing. It's it's uh, it's cool. It's interesting to me. Rum is the global spirit, right? At least that's the way I see it. Rum is the global spirit. Bourbon tends to be very categorized into a certain specific section of the United States. So it's it's really opening that up. And you've as you're experiencing your rum journey, you're you're broadening into an entire world of options. And many of those, to your point, Will, are, are well known to start with, whether it's in the Caribbean or some of the other ones that that make a lot of rum that we are well known. But there's so many out there that, you know, even you and I will, we get su- like we we talk rum a lot, obviously. And we still get surprised. Oh totally. By, yeah. by, you know, they're the 
Japanese rums and and the Okinawan rums and there's one in the Netherlands now and in Scotland even that's Rummy Club. Rums. That's the one yes. in the Netherlands, right? Yeah. 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 And uh, Scotland is ninefold, I think, I want to say. And then Japanese, nine leaves. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Okinawa has core core. All of these I haven't tried or haven't uh, been able to experience yet. But I know that they're, from what I've heard, seen, and talked to people about, they bring their own piece to the conversation. Mm-hmm. So this isn't just... Run, you know, like vodka, when I think of vodka, I know there's probably slight variations of vodka, so I don't want to be too glib, but like vodka's vodka, you know, for the most part. It's like it's the the goal is just to like be like a spirit that you don't taste. But when you're talking rum and you're talking about all these different countries and the, and the difference in climates and terroir and cane varieties and processes and stills and there's so many variables as we've talked about before that it's such a, a cool thing to be able to explore the entire world worth of of this global spirit. So uh, a great recommendation and a pretty seamless transition there. (laughs) Almost like we planned that, and I swear we didn't uh, in our list. But yeah, that that flowed really well. Yeah, I I, I just want to reiterate, I'm just constantly reminded that I'm just scratching the surface, right? There's so much to explore. You know, I I think we, we always try to be pretty forthright in that we don't consider ourselves the world's, you know, foremost rum experts. Uh, there's there's plenty of people out there who already know more about rum than I'll ever forget, probably. Yeah. But, we're way down the list, Will. Exactly, <laughs> we're, exactly. We're way down the but, list. But but I think that's what's that's what's so fun about it is is being able to to go through that, you know, personal journey with it and and just constantly the learning never stops, the new experiences never stop. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm always excited to see what I'm gonna learn next with rum. And so hopefully this this makes it a little easier um, if, if you're kind of not getting started, but you've, you've gotten started and you're kind of wondering what's next. Hopefully you found some interesting stuff in this episode. Um, and if you did, definitely, you know, let us know about it. Hit us up on social media. Send us an email host at rumcast.com. We always say we love getting emails. Uh, it's always it's it's great to be able to use them to fuel episodes like this. So yeah, let us know about your experiences. Let us know what you would recommend to someone in, yeah. in Pete's shoes. Maybe we can fire off a few more recommendations on a future episode. But uh, John, anything to add before we wrap up? No, we love hearing from you on social media too. Uh, make sure we're we're on uh, Instagram and Facebook primarily. Send us a, a a picture or of what you've made recently, or what rums you're you're experiencing, or or let us know what we might have missed on these lists that you really think we should be added on, so that we can add that on. Also, we'll recommend on the on our website, we've been carefully expanding the list of rum societies. That's right. As we go, and I've been seeing a few new ones that have popped up, and Will's done a diligent job of adding those so we're adding those as we we go and if you know of one or you're a part of a rum society that's not yet on that list at rumcast.com you should go there and make sure it is so that other people can find you and we're hoping to continue that as a resource uh, again worldwide absolutely yeah and you you brought up a, a good point in that the the only sure thing about this episode is that we totally did overlook and miss some stuff so <laughs> uh, i mean it's 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 funny because i i had like several more things i had to kind of it down but mm-hmm. i mean 
rum agricole is a whole other I know, you know category I that I think too. it's overlooked a lot and it's yeah. it's it's easy to, to 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 not dive into it so we definitely I know we left off some stuff that that is absolutely worthy of exploration but you know we had to, we tried to keep it to three constraints make things more interesting so exactly. um, apologies to, to anything that got left out this is by no means uh, an exhaustive definitive mm-hmm. list but um, that's that's part about uh, what makes rum so fun is it's 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 too broad to whittle it down into a pithy little series of six recommendations so even when we <laughs> cheat on them and just make them kind of categorical as opposed to single bottle or yeah. release recommendations so we're, we're 26 episodes in and we're still scratching the surface right so that's right i mean sometimes I, I look back at our list of guests and i'm like ah, oh, have we not got someone from here on yet or yeah. and so um i feel this sense of urgency to 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 to, to you know make our episode lineup a, a representative and as diverse as the category itself so yeah um that that's something we're always trying to to get better at and make sure we're we're being representative of of everyone and and all the cultures that are contributing to rum so yeah uh, on that note i can't see can't wait to see where we go next so uh we'll be back soon with uh i think our next episode might be from another uh country that i think people tend to to overlook or not as know as much about so Mm. i'm excited for that so hashtag spoilers yeah well no i'm I'm hiding the spoilers yeah that's true hashtag hashtag no spoilers yeah (laughs) teaser there you go until then uh i'll talk to you then john all righty 